You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 40. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This episode is sponsored by our new free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. I'm talking about the dream job every mom wants. In it, I'll cover the requirements for a flexible job, especially if you're a mom, how to build your six-figure salary trajectory, why tech is great for moms, and why moms are great for tech. Join me this Tuesday for this helpful and fun free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. Sign up at youartechie.com slash three steps. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash the number three S-T-E-P-S. I'll see you there. Welcome to the podcast today. Let's jump right into our topic. Are you ready to get hired in tech? This title can have a few different connotations, so let me clarify a bit. We're going to look at when the market says that you're ready. So if someone's looking to hire you, would they say that you're ready to get hired? And we're going to do this from an objective standpoint, from the most objective standpoint possible. But I just want you to understand that there are lots of different factors that go into a market-ready concept. And so you might have the skills for a full-stack developer that work great at a Fortune 500, but those same skills are not necessarily going to work at a startup. So different environments are going to just require different things from us. But we're also going to look at, do you feel ready? And do you feel ready based on your family circumstances, your personal preferences, and then also your skills being in line with the market? And I think the skills conversation is where many of you, your brain probably went there when I said, are you ready to get hired in tech with this title? But the problem is that many of us use skills as a buffer for fear. And I know this one really well, so well that if you've heard my story, you know that it almost sounds silly now. But I want to assure you that when I was transitioning back to work, this felt very real to me. It felt very true. What happened just quickly at a high level, I know some of you have heard this story before, but I stayed home with my kids after a career in development and in teaching development, computer science. And when I began to think about returning to the workforce, I first did the mindless scrolling through Indeed, which I call the Indeed death scroll. Every job posting was they would never want me and I wasn't good enough for them. Have you done that one? Yeah, same thing on whatever job search tool you're using. So I learned a new programming language and I learned that through a project-based model that I now teach and I know to be a very effective method and it's at the crux of getting hired in tech. So it, it ended up having a great result for me. It definitely was a positive in my story but it was not a skill that I needed to get hired. So what I want you to do is I want you to stop buying books or courses that you never use and just actually start doing the work. You pick a project and do the work. That's really the key in technology. But I want us to look at my choice to learn a new programming language. So the new programming language that I learned was Ruby on Rails. 
And previously I had learned and used um, C++ and Java mainly. A few other smaller ones like I knew HTML and CSS, but the robust languages that I mainly knew and used were C++ and Java. Now, if you know very little about technology, you probably know there are jobs for C++ programmers and jobs for Java programmers. So I want to ask you, did I need to learn Ruby on Rails to get a job? No, I did not. So was that choice in line with my goal? So actually, no. It was in line with the true goal, which was that I just wanted to learn to kind of get ready and prepare myself. And that also led me to UX design because I did all the UX on that. So again, it worked out. Sometimes those things work out for us, but it absolutely delayed my getting hired date. So when I say we use learning as a buffer tool to think that we're taking the right action, actually, when we're trying to get hired, what we need to do is like narrow our focus, make progress, stay focused, return, return, return and just return to the work that actually needs to be done to get hired. And so if you want to take longer to get hired, or you want to take time to learn, again, I go back to, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to understand that that's a choice you're making that isn't supporting your learning. And this one is very hard, especially, I like to use programming languages because it's, it's really a, impacts a lot of areas of technology, right? If you start learning any area of technology, like UX design is a good example, then people will be like, oh, I just need to know um, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And, and I tell people, I absolutely think those are great skills that everyone can and should have. They just aren't necessary to get hired at most UX positions. It's usually like an add-on skill. And I worked as UX designer, had those skills, and didn't use them. So Again, that could be a buffering tool that is going to build your confidence maybe, but it isn't necessarily important to getting hired. Okay, so if you're looking to get hired and you really want to view your learning through that lens, you might need to skill up. Okay, that might be a good move for many of you. I want to be very clear here. If you stayed at home and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go back to work. I'm going to go hop on over and grab my tech job. No, there's oftentimes there's many skilling up opportunities that's going to look positively on your LinkedIn profile, on your resume, and your it's in your portfolio. It's definitely going to be viewed as a positive. It's just staying focused on the exact right things that you need. Because if you use learning to buffer, let's talk about why you might be doing that. And the reason is that you're probably a little bit scared. And scare doesn't always manifest, like we don't always feel it in that frightful way that we feel like when we're standing in line for a roller coaster. I mean, I don't actually know because I, I don't go on roller coasters, but, but sometimes fear, it's creeping below the surface. And what we do is we use logic to buffer. We're like, oh, but I just need to do this other thing. And I just need to do this other thing. And so what might you be afraid of? This is really important because if we can break this down, what we can do is to start taking all the right actions and just save a ton of time, okay? A ton of headache and a lot of pain. Not all the pain, but a lot of it. So you might be scared that you don't measure up. Now, if you go on to LinkedIn profiles and you're re-entering the workforce and you go start looking 
at other people's profiles, uh, you're not going to measure up because they will always, first of all, other people's lives, just like on social media, they always look better than us. They always look more skilled. And if those people are in the workforce, then they probably have more current skills than you do today. So that's going to be really ineffective. You're only looking at other people's profiles to network with them and to learn from them. But anytime you're comparing yourself to them and saying like, well, I would never be as good as them. And that can be real quick. You know how that is. Like you just, it floats through your head and then you move on to the next one. I want you to be careful to look at that because you don't need to measure up to someone who would be your manager. And I don't care how old they are. I do not care. We are super young. You got me? 40s, super young. My 50s, my ladies who are in their 50s, super young. Lots of work life left. It doesn't matter if we learn from someone younger than us. That's totally okay. It doesn't matter if they manage us. We're still good people. All right, so you might be scared that you don't measure up. Okay, this next one, you might be scared that you won't make the type of money you deserve. Okay, this one is good. This one might have been a problem. Because I was a developer, I had this number in my head where if I didn't make that, I couldn't possibly like start with less. Now I know better, right? Because if you look over the 10-year trajectory, you can definitely, it still makes sense to start with less money, even if you get into tech, because you can scale up so quickly. But I was worried that I wasn't going to get paid what I deserved, which was a lot of fear that I should be somewhere that I wasn't, right? Because I was a developer and then I was a teacher and then I stayed home. So like, so what if I returned at that previous salary that I had with my developer? Like that would have been fine, right? But there was something in me that I was like, oh no, I'm not going to get paid what I deserve. Okay. Now this, <laughs> now on the contrary side of that, you might be scared that you'll make too much money what? Are you kidding? I think I actually had both of these thoughts simultaneously. Isn't that possible? I feel like some of you out there can feel this. So how much is too much? Well, it all depends. And if you're thinking this might be you, I actually want you to check out episode 13. Have you heard that one? Know your value. 13 is my lucky number. So I, I put that podcast as number 13 because it's, it's really one of my favorites because it tells you very clearly how to do the research so you can separate your human value from your market value. And your market value is going to change. Your human value is never impacted by that number. You are not the number that you make, especially for those of us who've had a few different jobs. We've had a lot of different jobs, a lot of different numbers. So that wouldn't even make sense. But our human value, it does not impact. We're still amazing people even if other people make more than us, even if we make more than other people, we're not better than them. We're just the same people. And so knowing your value, that episode, you can just go to youartechie.com slash 13 or episode 13 in your um, podcast platform. But it's really important to know your value because if you do the research, you'll have the kind of the scientific backing, even though it's not a perfect number, to understand, hey, these are the skills that I have. This is what the market pays. If I increase those, the value of those skills, then I can increase the amount I get paid. What that does is provides you a lot of peace of mind when you're looking at negotiations, when you're thinking about the opportunities. You don't start, you don't look so much at like exactly what they're telling you you can make. And you start to just understand the number and you can see like why things are negotiable because sometimes people bring 
a bigger skill set. Or you might come and say, hey, you know, I'm returning to the workforce. I'm willing to take a little bit less because I know you're taking a chance on me. I just want to be know that down the road, I'm going to be compensated for the skills that I bring. Like Those are all really great negotiation points. You don't always have to negotiate up. But it's important that you understand what the value of your skills are. And if the value of your skills is $85,000 and that's what it is, that's great. That's totally great. That's what it is. You don't have to apologize that that's, you know, a lot of money. And and for some of you, for my New York friends, you're like, that's not a lot of money. I know. It depends, <laughs> depends on where you live. But if you don't come out of staying at home into six figures, that's okay. I, I wouldn't expect that to happen. But can you get there quickly? Yes, you can if you stay focused on aligning your skills with the market needs. And once you're in the company, it's so much easier because you're like, oh, these are all the problems they have and you solve their problems and that's how they're, those are their market needs, right? Okay, so one quick caveat here. If your mind is going to that place like, okay, I'm gonna know my value. So to determine the job in tech I want to get hired in, what I should really do is pick the one that pays the best and then do that. And actually, from a financial standpoint, I want you to go with my girl, Oprah, and go follow your passion. Because tech is so vast, you can really do anything in tech. Anything that you're really passionate about, you can apply those skills to a career in technology. And if you go with what you're passionate about and what you love, it's going to be so much easier to level up your skills, to study more, to take another certification, because you're going to want to do that because it's aligned with what you're already really interested in. Now, it doesn't have to be your past experience. You can have new interests and passions. I know we all change a lot as we've, you know, kind of have these life experiences that things that used to hold us back don't always do that. So really be open to what are some new concepts. But if you go with more what you really are enjoying and interested in, even if you're not perfect at it the first time because you're new to it, allowing yourself to be new to it, ultimately, I think that financially, you're going to be better off because you're going to be able to skill up and scale up in that area. So when you're thinking about whether or not you're ready to get hired in tech, I want you to ask some questions. And I'm also going to talk about some questions I don't want you to ask because I know these ones. We, we I get these a lot. and the really the only question is like, have I committed to this? Am I committed to getting hired? And then if you're committed, then some of these other questions kind of fall away. But once you make a commitment to get hired, what happens is things get fast tracked very quickly. That's why some people can get hired so fast. Like they get hired in two weeks where other people, it might take them four months. Because once you've committed and like, Tony Robbins would say, you're burning the boats. Uh, you know, you're, you're going for it no matter what. So the question is, am I willing to do what it takes? And if you're going to, yeah, yeah, but Ellen, my kid, if you're going to that place, I'm willing to do what it takes, but I, I have to be a great mom. I don't want to sacrifice my kid. I think that you just have to, that's just part of it. You just don't sacrifice your relationship with your kids. You build that into the plan. And that's why we want to set deadlines and goals to move us forward. But we don't want to say, well, I didn't hit that deadline in three months, so I'm just going to quit. You really want to say, am I willing to do 
what it takes. Now, when you want to know things like, okay, what's the timeline? Can you guarantee me the timeline? Or I'll get this question. Um, okay, how many hours a day will we do work? And then how much homework will there be? How many hours does it take? <laughs> and I mean, none of those are really relevant. I know that's how school works because it's a really distinct path. But the truth is that some people get hired without finishing their portfolio because they have the right experience and network. And they're just super committed. And then they meet, happen to be in the right place at the right time. That's what people say. But really, it's because you're taking the right actions. If you're taking the right actions, that can happen to you a lot. So people will, will ask me like, okay, well, how much homework is there going to be in the course? Or like, how much time should I spend a day in the coaching program? And first of all, all of us are totally different. I don't know. Do you sit down and show up and do your work, get right at it? Or do you have a ton of distractions? Uh, do you do it every single day? Or do you do it a couple times a week? It really depends on the person, but if you're willing to do what it takes, it's almost irrelevant. It's almost irrelevant how much time it takes because you don't know if it's going to take you 10 networking opportunities or 20 before you get a really good contact. And you don't know if you're going to have to iterate on your designs one time or 10 times. And no one can really know that. So if you make the decision, I'm willing to do what it takes then some of these other questions become less relevant. Like, what is the timeline? How do you commit? I want a guaranteed job. I know that. I want a guaranteed job. You don't want a guaranteed job. Guaranteed jobs mean that they lower their standard. <laughs> That's true. You Every job, and, and no real job is guaranteed, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and do the work, and that's how you'll benefit in the long term. That's how you'll actually get that financial compensation that you're looking for and that mental challenge. Okay, so a better question to ask is as opposed to like, is what's the timeline? Um, how much homework? Am I willing to do this no matter what, right? Am I willing to do this even if it takes me six months when other people, it only takes a, a month? I'm not gonna compare myself to them. I'm just gonna keep going with my path. Now, a couple of questions that I wanna warn you about because they'll likely come up. Do I deserve this? Do I deserve to be hired in tech? I mean, I don't have a degree. I wasn't good at math. Uh, I wasn't even really that smart. Okay. Am I capable of this? Am I capable of this work? Do I have this intellectual capacity? And then another one might be, do I belong? None of those are great questions. They probably will come up for you. And so I'm just going to give your brain an answer. The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Yes, you deserve it. Yes, you're capable of it. And yes, you belong. Okay. So remember that when we say no matter what, what we're really saying is I'm choosing to be a great mom and to level up in my career. And if I stay focused and, and balance is a tough word, but if I stay committed to putting in the time to each of those every single day, then my life will have an element of balance in it. It will, it will never be perfect, but it will have an element of balance. And I'm willing to, to do it no matter what means it's okay if it takes me three months or four months or six months because the benefits will be so great because I'll have the flexibility that I want to be the mom that I want to be. All right. So it is true that when it comes to asking the question, are you ready to get hired? It's a deeply personal question because you could be totally ready, do everything that you want to do. And the marketplace might say you're not ready. Okay. And then the way that the marketplace says you're not ready is you don't get the interview or you don't get the job offer after the interview or you apply to lots of places and, and it's not working out. And so if that's happening to you, first of all, I'm sorry, because that's hard. But second of all, 
what the feedback that you're getting from the market is just that there's a skills gap. There is something in your background, in your experience, in your portfolio that they are looking for that you don't have. That doesn't say anything about you as a person. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. There's just literally a skills gap. So you can do one of two things. You can apply for a job that requires fewer skills. That's, that's an option, okay? Or you can fill that skill gap by learning and then demonstrating your work. And so either of those are viable options, but the more that you are hard on yourself and kind of beat yourself up over that, then the less progress you're going to make. Actually, if you can detach a little bit and say, hey, this is just a skills gap problem. It's not really a problem with me. The market's just looking for something a little bit different and you just adjust and tweak, you're going to find that success. You can even go back to those companies that said no to you, as long as they were nice and you like them, and say, I interviewed with you. I took this to heart. Over the last three months, here's what I've done. That's a great candidate. That shows me that they really want, you really want to be hired by that company and you're willing to put in the work. And that, that is absolutely what they would want to see. So are you ready to get hired in tech? It's your decision. It's your choice. But I hope these questions have helped you to kind of distinguish between what are the good questions to ask and which ones are not being helpful to you. I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope that it helped you because my dear, you are so techy. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the You Are Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.